Welcome to Anchor Church's podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Nick. He's talking about how God changes our plans sometimes. Let's take a listen. All right, I want to start off with a question. Have you ever had the perfect plan? When I was a youth pastor a few years ago, I thought I had the perfect plan. You see, I was out to dinner with uh, these senior pastors who I really wanted to impress. And we were at this restaurant that was connected to a hotel. And so while we were waiting to be seated, we were out in the hotel lobby uh, that looked out onto uh, a pool. And so this idea just fell from heaven right into my mind. I thought, if I'm going to impress them, I can do it by jumping in the pool. And so I thought through the plan and I figured if I could implement this plan to perfection, it will work out to my benefit. So step one was this, was to build up the hype. And so I asked the crowd, I said, so uh, what do you guys think if I jumped in the pool? And it worked perfectly. One of the pastors said, I'll give you $20 to jump in that pool. Another pastor thought about me jumping in the pool and already felt so embarrassed by being seen with the guy who jumped in the pool that he offered me $20 not to jump in the pool. And so there's some nice, healthy controversy. Hype had been built. Step one was complete. Step two was to get to the pool. You see, I wasn't a member or I wasn't a guest of the hotel. And so I had to sneak around the lobby desk. I had to sneak into the elevator. I had to go find where the pool door was, and then I had to wait for somebody to actually be leaving or entering, and I had to slip in there all without getting caught. And so I felt like I was like in an Oceans movie, like like it wasn't a jewel heist, it was a pool heist. <laughs> Anyways, step three was simple. Step three was simple and to the point. Jump in the pool. And so I uh, got up to the pool, I took one shoe off, and as I was taking my first shoe off, I thought to myself, this here, this is the perfect plan. I took my other shoe off, I took one sock off, I slipped the next sock off, then I, uh, I slipped my shirt off, I kept my pants on though, don't you worry, and I made it to the pool, the edge of the pool, and I jumped, and as I jumped, I felt like I was soaring like an eagle. I mean, I couldn't see them, but I was convinced there was applause coming from the lobby. And as I splashed into the water, I mean, it was incredible. My plan was complete, implemented to perfection. I got out of the pool. I felt so good about myself. I picked up my clothes, I got into the elevator, I got up the elevator, got to the lobby, and as I was expecting to be cheered on by my many fans, that's when it happened. My plan backfired. They weren't impressed. Who would have thought these senior pastors weren't impressed to see me? In fact, they were all embarrassed. They they didn't even want me to sit with them. My plan had backfired. I thought I would be their hero, but instead I was just a guy with wet jeans. And so um, there's a problem that happens is sometimes we can have the perfect plan and it can wind up not working out. 
For me, I thought I had the perfect plan, but really I ended up wet and soaked and embarrassed and exposed and just a guy with wet jeans. I don't know about you, but I, I know we can always feel like we have the perfect plan, but when our perfect plan doesn't work out, it can leave us pretty disappointed. Maybe for you, you're entering 2022 exhausted because after the last two years of COVID, you feel like you've gone from one failed plan after another, after another, after another, and you don't know how much is left in you. Was your plan maybe uh, a promotion? Was your plan a promotion? Maybe after years and years of devoting yourself to one job, to one organization, the position opened up that you've been wanting to have and you were the shoe-in. Even your coworkers thought so. But then they went with someone less qualified. Was your plan maybe, was it a proposal? You know, after, after years of investing into this relationship, I mean, everything was working out and it just seemed like everything was aligned so perfectly. You were convinced this was the one. Until it wasn't. Until it didn't happen. And now you have a broken relationship and you're left wondering, where did all the time go? Maybe your plan was a family. And now years later, you're, you're not really sure who it is you're married to anymore. And you're wondering what happened. Why do you not have a relationship with your kids anymore? Failed plans can leave us feeling crushed, absolutely crushed. We put all this time, all this energy, all, all of ourselves into a plan. And to see it slip through our hands in just a moment. I mean, it's, it's like this. It's like, it's like your ship is sinking and you're panicking. Or it's like you're looking at your cards that have collapsed and you're just filled with disappointment and devastation. I mean, failed plans can be crushing. And so the question is, well, where is God when our ship sinks and our cards collapse? Where, where's God in these failed plans? What is he doing with that? And so we want to explore that in this talk today. And by doing that, we really need to look at a character named Jairus. Now, we know three things about Jairus at the start. Mark tells us that Jairus was one, he was a synagogue leader. That means that Jairus, um, he had some spiritual clout, and he was an organized guy. He managed the building. Number two, we know that Jairus had a daughter who was dying. And number three, we know that Jairus had a plan. Mark tells us when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the boat, by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Notice the urgency in all of this. Jairus doesn't go up to Jesus, shake his hand and say, How are you doing? I'm Jairus. I work at the synagogue. Where do you work? No. No, there's urgency. He falls at his feet. He's desperate. He says, Jesus, my girl is dying. Will you come and place your hand on her? Would you heal her? There's a momentum. There's an urgency. There's a movement to all of this. And then Jesus gets up and he starts moving and the crowd starts following until Jesus stops and the crowd stops. 
You know, I imagine it was something like the first time I went to New York City and uh, we went to see the fireworks and on 4th of July and there were a million people. I mean, we've never been in a crowd like this. They blocked off the highways. It was really incredible. And when we were heading back to our cars and, and the subway and wh wherever we had to get back to, we were all packed shoulder to shoulder making our way across this highway. And then all of a sudden we all hear this bang in a distance right where we were going. And at once, everybody freezes. And we think the same thought. We think, that doesn't sound like fireworks to me. And for 20 seconds, nobody said a word. Nobody moved an inch. And then after 20 seconds, as if it was planned, as if it was synchronized, we all just pick up again and we start moving forward again just a little bit quicker. And so when Jesus stopped, the crowd all stopped. And Jairus' plans stopped. Now what would cause Jesus to stop? He didn't hear a bang. I mean, didn't he know what the urgency was? Didn't he know that this little girl's life was at stake? What would cause Jesus to stop? Well, it might actually surprise you. I mean, what caused Jesus to stop is so unique, so strange, that we don't know if it ever happened before or after. What caused Jesus to stop, according to Mark, is that he felt power leave him. And I have no clue what that really would have felt like. I mean, I really speculate this, and I've never really heard a great answer. I wonder if maybe it felt like he got punched in the gut and he was winded. Maybe it felt like he had just gotten vertigo, like all of a sudden he's dizzy. Um, could it have felt like he hit a wall all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm tired, I need a nap? Like, I don't know. Maybe he got an alert. Maybe, maybe this little Surrey in his head said, you are at 2% battery, Jesus. You may need to charge right now. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But he felt power leave him. He stops. The crowd stops, and then he says, who touched my clothes? <laughs> well, the disciples are even more confused, and they turn around, and they say, well, Jesus, you know, you're in a crowd. Like, everybody's bumping up against you. Like, who touched their clothes? What kind of question is that? Well, Jesus goes on to ignore his disciples, and he looks around, and then all of a sudden, this woman breaks through the crowd, falls at Jesus' feet. And she said, and she's trembling and she starts telling Jesus about her life. She says how she had been bleeding. She had been on her period that wouldn't end for 12 years. In that time, she spent all her money on doctors who didn't help. And she just thought that if I can touch the edge of your cloak, maybe I'd be made well. And it worked. She touched the edge of his cloak and she was healed instantly. And Jesus tells this woman, she, he says, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now, while Jesus is talking to this woman, at the very same time, these people come up to Jairus and they say, Jairus, your daughter didn't make it. Don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. Now, could you imagine the pain and the agony that Jairus is feeling right now? I mean, I couldn't imagine how hard it would have been for Jairus to leave his daughter and his wife knowing that he might miss out on her last moments alive. And how excited he would have been to find Jesus 
and how his plan would have worked out when Jesus agreed to come to go uh, heal his daughter and how they were making their way and they were so close and they're almost home and they were just about there and then all of a sudden Jesus stops. All of a sudden Jesus is interrupted. They were so close and yet it still didn't work out and yet Jairus's cards collapsed. His ship sunk. His daughter died. But there must have been something in Jairus a glimmer of hope. There must have been this lingering thought in his mind that said that, well, you know, if, if, if Jesus could have saved her an hour ago, is it really impossible for him to have saved her now? He must have been just frozen with this thought that maybe there's still hope. Jesus must have seen that because Jesus turns to Jairus, he says, don't be afraid, just believe. And so despite the news, they still make it to the house where a funeral had just gotten kicked off. Jesus kicks everyone out of the house except for her parents and a few disciples. Jesus takes this girl by the hand and in her own language says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And the little girl got up. And the room was amazed. Then Jesus said, go get this girl a happy meal. That's my paraphrase. Jesus just rose this girl from the dead, amazing everybody. Notice the patterns throughout this story. First off, Jairus falls at Jesus' feet. And so does the woman. The woman falls at Jesus' feet. Notice that the girl was actually 12 years old, the same number of years that the woman had been bleeding. Notice that when Jairus was hearing news that his daughter wouldn't make it, Jesus was giving the woman the name daughter. You see, what these patterns are doing is these patterns are showing that these two people who are so different in different classes who have never met actually have stories that are linked together into one story that these patterns show that God is in control the entire time, that even in the chaos, even in the grief, even in all the disorder and the seeming disruptions, Jesus is working out a plan. There's meaning, there's purpose, there's intentionality. You see, God's intentions are sometimes disguised as interruptions. Jesus is telling Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. What he's saying is that, I like your plan. Your plan makes a really great first draft, but let's see what we can do to make it even more spectacular. Let's see how we can show and demonstrate a couple things that you missed. You know, because your plan doesn't show enough of my love or power. You see, Jesus wants to demonstrate even greater love than Jairus thought. Because for Jesus, he was willing to stop even for a woman who was an outcast. Notice this woman who was bleeding would have been rejected uh, relationally. You see, she wouldn't have been able to have kids. And in that time, that was really, really important to husbands. And so it's hard to even imagine a husband at that time in that culture marrying her. She was pretty rejected. Maybe that's why she was the one who had to go advocate for herself. She didn't have anyone grabbing Jesus on her behalf. 
She was also rejected spiritually because as she's bleeding, that means she's ceremonially unclean, which means she's not welcome into the synagogue. And so she's been rejected. She lost all her money to the doctors. Notice she's so insecure that she doesn't even want to interrupt. That's the last thing she wants to do. She's trying to be as discreet as possible. She doesn't want to be noticed in any way. Even for, for the limelight to be put on her, she's trembling. She's afraid. She, she, she's not used to people seeing her. Even in the story, she's not given a name. She's just called the woman until Jesus names her. And Jesus says, daughter. And Jesus says, I will stop everything to show love to the people who need it the most. I will stop everything to notice the ones that everyone else has forgotten. Jesus says, Jairus, your plan is pretty great, but it's missing my extraordinary love that nobody saw coming. Jesus wanted to show love to this woman. He also wanted to show his extraordinary power. He says, Jairus, you know that I can heal. Everyone here knows I can heal, but you didn't know I could raise the dead. Jesus is rewriting Jairus's plan. And if Jesus can rewrite Jairus's plan, could it be that when you're at your most defeated point, when you are falling flat on your face, when you feel the weight of your failure and your embarrassment publicly failed, when you feel like it's all over, when you're stressed and you're panicking, wondering what went wrong and, and is there any way to salvage this, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus is saying, you got a good first draft here, but let's see how we can make it even more extraordinary, even more spectacular. You know, the other day, Hannah and I were staying up late, um, having a good old time worrying about money. And it was one of those times that we just wanted to fix things. We wanted to come to some solution and feel good enough to get to bed. But the more we thought about it, the more stressed out we were getting. And then Hannah brings up, you know, God has taken care of us in the past. And Almost at the same minute, we, we really thought the same thought. We thought, you know, this could be a chance to trust God again. And so uh, we stopped worrying. No, I'm just kidding. We kept worrying. But we did. We, we went to bed and we slept pretty soundly that night. <laughs> I wish. Not exactly. No, we, we, we had a hard time sleeping that night. But what we did do is we offered God a little mustard seed. Of faith. We offered God the little trust we had to believe that he was powerful enough to take care of us and meet our every need. I have a friend who lost his wife years ago and every day he lives with constant unbearable grief. The other day he was telling me about a devotional he was reading about grief and how comforting uh, it was in one of the things it was saying, it said that with more grief, that means there's more love. You know, with more grief, there's more love. That even in our grief, I learned, even in death, God is showing even more love. Do you know that love isn't always pleasant? Love can be painful. 
And yet, even in the pain, God is rewriting plans to show his extraordinary love. So what God asks for you is, is faith. But it's not just any kind of faith. It's a mustard seed of faith. Jesus says that if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. Notice Jesus says to the woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Well, the woman didn't have great faith. In fact, it was more superstition. She was kind of hedging her bets by touching the helm of his cloak. It was more superstitious than great faith. And Jairus, if he had great faith, he would have turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, you just say the word and my daughter would be healed. And Jesus would have said the word and his daughter would have been healed. But Jairus didn't have faith like that. He just had a little bit of faith. Notice that they didn't have perfect faith. And you don't need to have perfect faith either. You just need a mustard seed of faith. So my question to you is, can you have a mustard seed of faith? Can you have just a little bit of faith? Because it's not about the quality of your faith as much as it is the object of your faith. If you can give just a mustard seed of faith to Jesus, can you give a mustard seed? You know, you, when your ship is sunk, when your cards are collapsed, can you show just a little bit of faith that Jesus is the one who can transform a life after 12 years of devastation? Accepted after 12 years of rejection? Healed after 12 years of suffering? Can you show some faith in Jesus that he can not only heal this little girl, but that he can raise her from the dead? Can you show just a little bit of faith that when you think it's all over, Jesus is saying, I'm just getting started. When you think you're buried in the ground, Jesus is saying, you're not buried. You're only being planted. He's saying, it's not over. He's saying, you're not too sunk. Your cards aren't too collapsed. You haven't fallen too far. What Jesus is telling you is that your life is still salvageable. Your life is still redeemable. Your future is still beautiful. He's saying to you that if you're not dead, he's not done. He's saying that your plans aren't being destroyed. No, they're being rewritten. So can you offer Jesus your little mustard seed of faith? If you can do that, he will take it. He'll say, this will do the trick. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Anchor Church and how to get involved, you can go to anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.